Hey, this is Jacqueline. Thank you so much for tuning into Current Mood. I really enjoy doing the show and putting it together, but it does not happen all by myself. <laughs> Let me tell you. I have an incredible producer, Jarrell Perry, a network of truly supportive family and friends, and also listeners. Thanks, guys. And I also use Anchor, which is a really cool way to make a podcast. With the Anchor app, you can record and distribute your podcast. You can also track your analytics. You can have music to your podcast. It's a really neat platform and has totally expanded the way that I do storytelling. Um, if you wanted to check it out, you could download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Moving into like hustling healthy, like I don't feel guilty when yeah. I take time out. I've gotten really good with being like... I'm so overwhelmed right now. You know what? I'm good for today. Like, I've done my work for today, and I will allow myself a break. Hey, welcome to the Current Mood Podcast. This is your host, Jacqueline Marie. Current Mood is a series exploring self-care techniques, mental models, and core patterns propelling our increasingly digital lives. Through conversations with founders, entrepreneurs, educators, and executives across creative disciplines, I get a chance to learn about things that work for people in their everyday lives. On this next conversation, I got a chance to sit down with Sarah Nguyen, the founder of Nguyen Coffee Supply. We had a super deep conversation, uh, very spirited. Sarah's amazing. We talked about building a business in a new industry, um, kind of why hustle porn is trash, you know, the whole like never not working thing, um, recognizing the need to slow down and disconnect, and super important, Sarah also schooled me on immigration history of Asian Americans. Um, in the U.S., like specifically from a first-generation female perspective, really important stuff, and I'm very thankful that she was able to to break it down in a in a very clear way. So, we had a really awesome talk. I am here with Sarah Nguyen, and uh, we're going to talk about some fun stuff today. Yes, Welcome. Man. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes. Oh, I like your podcast voice. Oh, you like this podcast voice? <laughs> I was. This is reminds me of the episode you had with Jerome Hollis. <laughs> And I was like, I always sound cool on a microphone with a volume and bass turned up like all the way. Everyone does. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Is your, is your mom an entrepreneur? Yeah. yeah. So both my parents are entrepreneurs and self-made business owners. Um, however, I never really like looked at them in that framework until recently. I used to, used to think they were like, oh, workers or like manual laborers because they mm -hmm. work with their hands and my mom mm -hmm. works and owns it owns my mom owns and works in the laundromat and my mm -hmm. dad owns um and works in his floor standing company mm. so like growing up it wasn't like a sexy job you know mm -hmm. <laughs> um but you know looking back they still own their businesses and mm -hmm. both of their businesses survived the recession yeah and they've able to like build their lives on like their businesses and so they actually have a lot of like i think 
um, business acumen and smarts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To an extent, um, <laughs> I have a funny story about my dad if you want to hear it later, but to an extent, they're not Of course, tech I want to hear a funny story about your parents. <laughs> yes. But they know they're pretty smart when it comes to, like, I think dealing with people mm-hmm. and, like, um, how to run a business and think about ops. Um, but I have noticed, so I go to them a lot and I value their advice. But then when we get into the range of, like, technology, I start to see their yeah. limitations. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. A gen- generation gap. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, um, what kind of business are you in? So, last year, so last November, I launched New Yen Coffee Supply, which is a coffee company and a lifestyle brand that's focused on importing, roasting, and distributing Vietnamese coffee beans. I love coffee so much. I know. I'm drinking some coffee right now. Yeah. <laughs> How I does know. it compare? How does it compare? It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm honestly... So I'm not a coffee snob at all. Like, you fuck I, with bodega coffee? I fuck with bodega yes. coffee. I mean, that's like the OG. Like that's that's the coffee. That's like the foundation of a coffee experience. You yep, know, yep. bodega coffee, um, Dunkin' Donuts, like even Maxwell and Folgers. Like that. I mean, it's also like an access thing. Growing I grew up. up on that shit. Yeah, we had like the MJB. Yeah, my mom would send me in the store. Get the MJB European roast. Yeah, yeah. Or like the Bustelo. And I think like aside from. You know, the quality of transparency, like, I think the profile of, like, that really nutty, dark, bold is, like, very nostalgic. And that's mm. how I um, understood coffee growing up. So, mm. yeah. And so I love all types of coffee. Like, I can drink a cup of coffee that's, like, like brewed um, down to the precision of, like, exact grams. Or I can even drink a, a packet of instant coffee that's, like, what's in front of me, you know? Like, yeah. I'm... No discrimination. Yeah, there. no discrimination. <laughs> like, coffee should not be an elitist, classist, hierarchical thing. It's just, like, yeah. to each their cup. Yeah. To each their cup. Mm-hmm. Oh, Do I like, you. I like that. To each to their cup. To each their cup, yeah. Okay. There's just no need for this, like, coffee shaming that kind of has yeah. been floating around in this whole third wave specialty coffee movement which i'm about yeah um i'm about I, i'm a part of it and i'm building upon it um mm-hmm. i like to think that we're at the forefront of the next wave call it fourth wave or whatever but all of that aside like i'm not about the culture shaming i mean i'm not all of that aside i'm not about the coffee shaming part of it yeah you know where folks come in like when i was doing cafe fiend um our four-month pop-up for new coffee supply folks would come in and they'd be like oh my gosh, please don't judge me. I don't know anything about coffee. Like, I don't know the right grind size, the boot size. And I was like, whoa, like, where is that even coming from? You yeah. know, like... Don't like, judge me? Yeah, they, like, they really oh, wow. felt... And that's that's them absorbing this culture of elitism of, like, if you don't know the right way to drink coffee, then you're not, like, a real or serious coffee drinker. And I was like, hey, no judgment. Like, it's all good. You don't need to feel embarrassed or ashamed if you don't know anything about coffee. Like... There's really no right or wrong way to drink coffee. Like we have brew guides, and we do need to scale at the shop, and um, we do have you know exact measurements. But that's just for like consistency. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like how you want to enjoy your cup of coffee, like there's just no judgment, and there's no right or wrong way to do it. Like mm-hmm. however you want to brew it is how you want to want to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, that's like actually such a good point because you don't you just I don't know it. For people who don't drink coffee and maybe they don't think about that, like my friend and I were making plans for this weekend and we're mm-hmm. like, oh, let's go to breakfast. He's like, well, I don't drink coffee, so like, I don't know where you're going to like if the place is going to be good enough for you. Yeah. And then it's even like on the other side, too. Oh, wow. I'm just like, like you get shamed by your homies, too. <laughs> I'm like, dog. Like backhanded I, I, shaming. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'll go to the bodega and get – that's what tripped me out when I would come visit New York is like you go into the bodega – I don't know if they still do this, but they would give you the coffee in the morning and like mm-hmm. everyone goes on the train, they put it in a bag. 
Huh. That shit was weird to me. Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> like they give it, they give you the to go coffee in like the Greek cup yep. or whatever, yep. and then they put it in like a little sandwich bag and just give it to you. That's like, so cute. I know. I was like, I'm, I've never, I've never seen that. Okay, yeah. maybe that was. Like, I you just hold the cup. Right, same. <laughs> but like the few times I had done that, this is like years ago. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're like, oh, we're wasting too much paper. Um, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, coffee shaming happens from other sides too. Yeah, homie, homie yeah. to homie shame, and I think that's just really like they. I think everyone is kind of like processing this this culture that's being put out there mm-hmm. about like like a, a hierarchy of coffee. Well, it's like the luxury goods. I feel like yeah, kind of like that luxury idea. It's like there's this whole other breed of stuff that you there's you you could maybe have access to it, but yes, if you don't have access to it, you don't know the right discourse or the language that goes with it. So right. like. Exactly. You're not welcome. Here. Right. Or like you're not doing it right. Right. Or you're not like the standard of a coffee drinker. Ooh. Right. Um, I was doing this shoot yesterday with Food Food Fifty Two and we have the same conversation and like even all the tools, you know, that we were using, like we had like a really fancy scale mm-hmm. and like all these measurements and a fancy grinder and that's like also an issue of access, you know? So hey, that's just expensive. It's it's so fucking expensive <laughs> yeah. and it's like what now? Everyone needs to buy a scale to make their coffee. Like, yeah. listen, that's if you're about precision, like go for it. But if you don't have a scale, if you don't want to use a scale, it's all good. Use like, your it hand. isn't. Use, use, use what? Use your hand. Use your hand. Yeah. Use a noodle spoon, a soup spoon, a tablespoon. Like, um, it's that it, it doesn't make you any less of a coffee drinker. How mm. dare you? I know. Right? <laughs> God, you can't spend two hundred dollars on this on the scale to make your coffee. <laughs> wow, yeah. what's your sign? I'm a Virgo. What's your sign, girl? <laughs> I'm a Virgo. Um, my birthday twins, Beyonce. I was just throwing it out there. It's, it's kind of like when I found out Beyonce was my birthday twin, it actually made me lose motivation in life. Oh my God. Because I was like, even if I don't try that hard, I'll probably be okay. Because I'm like aligned <laughs> with Beyonce's stars. Sick. Oh <laughs> like, if I just get like an ounce of Beyonce's like energy, um, I'll be fine. You're but, like the just maybe the third guest that has like brought up Beyonce. I love her. Everyone loves her. That's my birthday, bae. We love you. Yes. She's the best. Um, Anyway, so I want to get into, I mean, you talked a little bit about coffee and kind of like what you do. Like, how did you get to where you are now? Like, what was the journey that brought you here to New York? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about my journey with NCS or just New York in general? Um, Like, what were you doing before this? Like, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean... Because you weren't always a coffeepreneur, coffee entrepreneur. Is there a word <laughs> for that? Coffeepreneur. I like that, actually. Coffeepreneur. Um, <laughs> no, I was not. And actually, before I launched Indian Coffee Supply, I never worked in the coffee industry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or a cafe. I've, I worked as a server and hostess in a restaurant, but not mm-hmm. in a cafe. And mm-hmm. I've never worked in the whole importing, exporting game. Right. Um, but before we go into that, so I've been in New York since 2013. Oh, really? Yeah. And so my last full-time job was 2012. And at that time, I quit my job, my nine-to-five, because I really wanted to kind of dive like head on into my, my creative career as a writer, as a filmmaker, as you know, a creative producer, all that stuff. I just, I love, love, love to storytelling mm-hmm. um i love 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 telling stories and i wanted to kind of like do that across as many platforms as i can whether that was writing creative writing um journalism um documentary filmmaking so i moved to new york in 2013 and i've just been full-time freelance since then just like 
Did you like save up money and move yes. here? You were, you were just like, all right, I'm going. I saved up money to move here. From you moved from LA. From LA, yep. Oh, okay. So I was in LA for two years, working as the director of a writing program at UCLA. Before oh, cool. that, I was um, running a video studio. Before that, I was running a video production studio in Boston, my hometown, mm-hmm. at this organization called Artists for Humanity, which I was also a part of as a teenager. Um, yeah, I stacked for a few years, and nice. I always tell people, you know, folks who like want to take that leap of faith and follow dreams. I always say, like, you gotta stack. Like yeah. that is the probably the first bit of advice I can give you because if you can have a bit of a financial cushion, you can help ease yourself into that transition. Whether that's coasting with that money, like that could be your runway, or using it to invest in your own ventures, which is exactly yeah. like what I did with my first restaurant, and I also invested my own money into Neon Coffee Supply. Right, mm. so I I stacked and then I saved and then I just started freelancing in New York City and I just you know I worked in my creative career of the last few years. Um, I started. Um, I was a part of opening a restaurant um, in Bushwick, and then I launched New Coffee Supply in 2018. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the restaurant part. Oh, I didn't. You didn't? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're doing this. So yeah. You get to know you. <laughs> yeah. So I was one of the four founders of Lucy's Vietnamese Kitchen. No way. Yeah. I'm a fan. Okay, yeah. Or wait, is Lucy still open? It's not. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I had been there a long time ago. Yeah, we launched, I think, I forget, 2014, I want to say, oh, 15. That's cool. Yeah, so that was like really like my first foray into the food and beverage um, scene of New York City mm. and this entre- entrepreneurship in New York City, like entrepreneurship in, t- in terms of like a brick and mortar because yeah. there's a lot of entrepreneurial skills in a freelance creative career. Mm-hmm. Um but Lucy's was an amazing experience. I feel like that really helped me build my network in New York City, especially because I wasn't working for a company or anything. It was really right. hard to kind of build relationships as a freelancer. Um, yeah, I did that for a few years. I was like, you know, I was an owner, but I really kind of led the whole brand building and storytelling initiative mm-hmm. with all the communications. That's so cool. PR. Yeah. I'm a fan from the outside. I didn't Yay. know Yay. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And I actually left the company in August mm-hmm. of last year mm-hmm. to focus full time on launching new coffee supply. That's so cool. Yeah. Sweet. It's fun. Yeah. So like what's the that transition for you went from like film and creative stuff into mm-hmm. like F and B and now you're into like coffee, which is like a whole nother thing. Like how have you navigated this like unknown kind of like mm-hmm. new territory? Well, the whole time I was working on Lucy's Vietnamese Kitchen, I was still building my creative career pretty heavily on the side. Mm-hmm. So those two things really worked side by side. It wasn't like film and then i left film to go to food and beverage um so you had like 10 jobs like every new yorker like every new yorker (laughs) like every full-time creative freelancer um just the new york hustle it's crazy hustling out here yeah it's wild um yeah so and i think across all three like whether it's it's been my documentaries or my writing or um my restaurant and now Mm -hmm. new coffee supply really the common thread across all of those is my storytelling mm-hmm. and it's been my passion for sharing my Vietnamese culture. Mm-hmm. It's been my passion for uplifting my community and mm-hmm. working to bring more visibility representation um, to my community and just generally folks that are considered like on the margins or underrepresented, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. all about amplifying the stories um, from um, the from my own experience and also the experience of my community members um, in a way that's like very accessible, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's film or restaurant or coffee yeah so i think like yeah like the medium looks different like between film articles restaurant and coffee but if you really look at what like my body of work it's all very very similar 
like my passion has always been rooted in how to empower or help amplify um, the Vietnamese American slash Asian American community um, and also working towards building a more equitable and just world. Um, can I have your autograph? <laughs> <laughs> that's so, that's like, that just makes my, my heart feel good. Oh, yay. <laughs> thank you. So what are, I mean, what are the kind of like two or three core things that people don't know about Vietnamese Americans? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that's, that's yeah. you don't hear much about Vietnamese Americans. Yeah. All, ever. I mean, I grew up, right. I had like quite a few Vietnamese friends growing up, so like, <laughs> I know a couple things, but I mean... I don't know much, and I think a lot of people don't really know much about Vietnamese culture in America. Yeah, thank you for asking. That's a really great question. Um, I'm just going to reel it back a little bit to maybe just the Asian-American community, and then mm -hmm. I'll talk about the Southeast Asian-American mm -hmm. community, then I'll talk about the Vietnamese-American community. So, you know, my when I was in high school, um, as a teenager, I got really involved in youth activism. I mm -hmm. was really fortunate to find a home in a youth-run, youth-led social justice group called the Coalition for Asian Pacific American Youth that was housed at UMass Boston, inside the U, that was housed at UMass Boston, um, inside the Asian American Studies program. So that was really like my first exposure to ethnic studies, mm -hmm. Asian American studies, social movements, mm -hmm. um, you know, the civil rights movement, the Black Panther Party. And I had a lot of mentors that were professors and also program coordinators on the university campus, right? Mm -hmm. So activism, social justice, community empowerment has always been like a strong foundation in my life, in the work that I do. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, as an Asian American, a Southeast Asian American, and then a Vietnamese American, so these are the kind of the layers of my identity within the umbrella of Asian America. And with that entering the space of talking about social justice or racial justice, um, it, as an Asian American, you know, I in a lot of members of my community, we always feel really left out in the conversation around race or racial justice and racial equity. Mm -hmm. um, we live in a very binary world, you know, and race, of course, is becoming more nuanced. But for a lot of it, it's it feels like a very dichotomous conversation. And so Asian Americans are you know, we feel left out of it and we feel invisible. I mean, even down to like the the, the facts around data aggregation, a lot of like um, mm -hmm. data around housing, around employment, around education just isn't aggregated for the Asian American, let alone the Southeast Asian American community. Mm -hmm. So even in those conversations around policy and data, we're invisible, right? right. So we're invisible there, then we're going to be invisible in the conversation about like um, racial justice as an overarching um, conversation. Mm -hmm. So... What don't people know about Vietnamese Americans? So, well, first, I'll start by saying that I think, you know, as a Southeast Asian American, right? So, within the Asian American conglomerate or umbrella, we have East Asians, we have South Asians, we have Southeast Asians, mm -hmm. and all of our experiences culturally very different. We're, we're all represent different countries and then i think um societally um and politically our experiences in this country are very different depending on our immigration and political history mm, right so yeah. depending how did each community enter the united states and it's always based on politics so for example um chinese folks first entered the united states in the 1800s because they were brought over as cheap labor to build the transcontinental railroad right mm. um and then um there's you know what we call in american history called the brain drain the united states was only letting like the very educated folks in like science and math from like india or like east asia into the country mm -hmm. and so that kind of points to a lot of the like, affluence in those communities 
Southeast Asians, Vietnamese, Cambodians, um, Lao folks, you know, Hmong folks, we entered the country not because the United States wanted us for any economic reason, but because of the Vietnam War. Right. And because the United States' we're role. We were seeking refuge. Yeah, we were seeking yeah. refuge. And the United States played a huge role in the Vietnam War. Um, and their acceptance, you know, of refugee resettlement was really their way of admitting their role and responsibility in the war. Um, so... Not only so, once like you know, refugees from Southeast Asia settled in the United States, we were settled in very poor and impoverished and neglected neighborhoods, right? Mm. So that political history points already to like our class differences sure. and our experiences, and also some communities, you know, um, historically East Asian, South Asians have been here for multiple generations, mm-hmm. which can point to um, the economic growth or you know, economic growth in this country. Southeast Asian and Vietnamese Americans. We've been here for one generation. Like my parents mm-hmm. was the gen- my parents were the generation that came here, right? And my parents were the generation who left their country by boat. Mm-hmm. They escaped their country by boat, ended up in a refugee camp, and then came here. So that speaks to a lot of like um, the intergenerational knowledge and wealth that we have or don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So the first thing I'd say is um, one: the Vietnamese American community is here because of the United States involvement in the Vietnam War. The Vietnamese community that's here is largely a refugee community that is a part of an experience called the Boat People Movement, meaning they escaped their country um, by boat. Mm-hmm. And the Vietnamese American community. Um, is a very young community, you mm. know, um, meaning my parents just are the first ones to come here. So there's a lot of learning, a lot of growth that we're still doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you for all of that. That was a great history lesson for Thanks. myself Thanks for asking. and probably some other people listening because that's not stuff that we learn in history class. Not at all. Yeah. We just um, kind of get clumped into one. Yeah. So taking those perspectives, like how do you, if you, when you layer on top of that, being a woman mm-hmm. in all of that, like mm-hmm. how does that, how does that sit with you, or like how is your experience different, or um, in what context impacted? Um, I guess I would say, I mean, it's a very big question to ask how that impacts your entire life, but I would, I would, I would be more curious at how that impacts you as an entrepreneur, especially mm-hmm. as somebody that's in the process of fundraising right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, you don't have to get announcement. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm fundraising. Oh wait, is that private? No, not at all. Okay. No. By the time let this the, comes let out, let the people know. <laughs> Yo, she's looking for money. You got checks. <laughs> um, which is a huge step, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. It does. It, it has felt like a big um, next stage that I'm stepping into. So thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how does your your identity as a as a woman as a Southeast mm. Asian woman mm-hmm. Vietnamese American like how does that play into what you're doing now. Yeah. Such a good question. <laughs> I know it's very layered. <laughs> I mean, I think like I think if we're thinking like the broader general societal context, right? Like mm-hmm. we're living in a system of sexism and a system of patriarchy, a system mm-hmm. that's operated, you know, by racism. Like given that context, like I'm I'm already disadvantaged in so many ways, and I'm aware of that. Like, statistically speaking, we talk about, like, um, the amount of, like, female-founded companies that are funded by VCs. It's, like, like a a sliver of, like, the pie, right? But what's interesting for me is that when I assess it in, like, a cultural context, right, in terms of where we are in America right now, in a time where it's, like, Everyone wants to talk about diversity. Everyone wants to talk about inclusion. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to talk about women's empowerment. Everyone wants to talk about women's rights. And like people like 
you know, tend to generally surface level want to do more. Mm -hmm. So I think for me in a cultural context, I can find unique ways to try to leverage that. Sure. Like in my conversations, in my meetings, in my branding, like um, because those topics right now, like women's empowerment, mm -hmm. um, um, you know, communities of color being uplifted, creating more opportunities for underrepresented folks, those things are kind of I, I mean, I'd call them trendy, mm -hmm. but it really just takes time to see how long this thing lasts. You know, right. like, see how long the gates stay open. Um, so in that way... Till we push them down. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Too many of y'all up here. Um, until So in a culture context, I'm finding ways to leverage that. But mm -hmm. for the most part, it's still hard, and it doesn't change people's perceptions necessarily when I'm having maybe a conversation with them or I'm having yeah. a meeting with them because those ideas around sexism you know, or racism or patriarchy. It's just very inherent mm -hmm. um, in our society and people. And it takes a lot of willingness to unlearn and to, um, mm -hmm. to break those things down. Yeah. So like, even, for example, like, um, and let's talk about the whole importing game, right? Like, it's a very old industry. Um, I think it's mostly like all like old money and corporations who've been mm -hmm. around forever and like they just pass it down to like the next generation or whatever like mm -hmm. i am coming in as like a solo founder first generation vietnamese american female millennial starting this industry <laughs> i mean starting this company checking all the boxes bro out, give me that money and check it all the boxes yeah. um trying to import right, right. and this industry is very old so so is it just importing into the U.S. in general or is it importing from Vietnam that's like... I'm importing green beans from Vietnam right. into the United States. Right, right. In terms of like the things you've been discovering about the importing business, is it, does it like... Is it specifically because you're importing from Vietnam? No, it's oh. just the process of importing, got it, got it. dealing okay. with freight forwarders and all that stuff. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I do feel like people respond to me differently because yeah. I am a woman, especially once I hop on the phone, you know, like I kind of have a youthful voice and my energy is very youthful. So I kind of have to like, tell myself to turn it down, to turn it down. Sometimes. Don't turn it down. Really? No, okay. Just um, <laughs> You'll have to get over it. <laughs> but I know that I just know people treat me differently. And like yeah. I, a perfect example is one of my friends who is in the industry. He's a tradesman. Um, I was working on my last shipment from Vietnam for a container and he was like send me your rates and then I was like this is what I got he's like that's too high he's like let me ask my folks and see what I can get you and then he like asked around and he like saved me like a thousand dollars right and then wow. yeah and that's he was a like a lot of money as a mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean I'm brand new yeah. they know that I don't have a lot of leverage you know they know that yeah. I probably don't know what I'm doing or they, they know that I'm new to what I'm doing right. um, and so he was like yeah in the industry we call the rate you got the housewife rate. Bruh. I, I couldn't fucking believe he said it's the fucking housewife rate, which means you're getting fucked. Right? That, is that what he said? He didn't say that, but yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I said. And that's yeah. what makes sense. And the, the, the sexism, the patriarchy in there. You couldn't just call it like the, the newcomer's rate. Yeah. You call it the housewife, the housewife rate. Right. The housewife rate. Like as if your job is a housewife and you have no business being there. That's another great interpretation. Or like, yeah, exactly. And you don't know what the fuck you're doing, so you're just going to get fucked. <sighs> It's disgusting. Have you talked to anybody about, else about that? Like, have has anybody else experienced that? Um, kind of no, because I don't know anyone well, else doing right, which is kind of cool. I'm doing it, but <laughs> wow. But he, um, that's funny. Yeah. He's a guy. He told me that. And I was like, that's yeah. really interesting. Well, good thing you have like male allies. Yeah, I have a lot of male allies. Yes, yeah, after all that talk about patriarchy, I have a lot of male allies. <laughs> I have a lot of great male mentors um, who yeah. have been very helpful. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. How did you just? 
Did they just come into your life and appear? <laughs> um, no, like you I you seek them out. Um my current mentors in this business, like one is my brother-in-law. Oh, um, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, he's a he's a that. tech founder. Um, oh, another, that's awesome. Yeah, another one is um, someone who's been a food and beverage who I've known since my Lucy's day. Mm. So we have like a long relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm I'm seeking. Then there are like a few that I'm seeking out specifically like women. Yeah. Because um, I want to make sure I have a balance of like male and female mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and then I'm seeking out mentors who are actually like. They don't need to have this the business experience of like food and beverage or CPGs, consumer packaged goods, but they they know me really well. They know my values really well because I want to make sure I have I want to make sure that as I'm scaling the business, I have mentorship um, with folks who know me and my values and can ha- kind of help keep me accountable to those values. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of like building that portfolio of mentorship. And then my friend who's a tradesman, I got really lucky with him. I met him at an event and I'm like, what do you do? I'm a tradesman. I'm like, what is that? You told me all about it. And <laughs> what is was, a tradesman? Um, th- they basically source and import oh, and export okay. ingredients, like. <laughs> products from all around the world. He's a modern day tradesman. Wow. Like back in the day, they would go by ship and go to a country and find like, you know, saffron. Yeah, saffron <laughs> and bring it back. Exactly what he does. Um, and he has been just such a kind person and super helpful in my early days. Like the, the type of person who I would reach out to for support and just would be so generous and help me out. And I'm trying to like repay him like, let me take you out for lunch. Let me take you out for dinner. Let me take you out for drinks. I'm too busy. Can't make it, right? <laughs> well, like, oh, and then when I launched, he ordered, like, a package of, like, with beans, coffee beans, and a t-shirt, all yeah. this stuff. And I'm, like, I'm texting him. I'm, like, Pedro, why did you order that? I was, I was going to send you a package. And he was, like, oh, I'm in Florida right now, and the t-shirt's going to be perfect for the weather. Oh, that's so sweet. Like, legit, like, not trying to get shit from me. Yeah. Um, so Isn't it crazy that we're in a place where we feel like, I mean, obviously, like you're you're a kind person, and like when people help you out, you want to repay them. But when people don't expect something in return, isn't it like surprising? It is surprising. Or like you just think twice about it. You're just like, oh my god, what can I? Because I'm the same way. I'm like, oh my god, thank you so much. Like here, you help me out. Let me help you out. And like I was, yeah, like that's how I grew up. Yes. Yeah, my parents are in hospitality. They're like never show up empty-handed. Yeah. but that whole thing, like, sometimes it surprises me, especially in New York when people are kind. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that kind of mm-hmm. sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. And I wonder, like, so you know how that saying of, like, oh, when someone helps you out, you want to, like, return it so quickly? Like, yeah. I thought about that, too. And do you think that has anything to do with maybe, like, not getting so much of that help growing up? Like, for me, it's like, I'm not used to mm. getting, I'm not used to having, like, abundance of resources, like, thrown my way, or, you know, like, abundance yeah. of, like, even knowledge, yep. or, like, from other folks, because, again, yeah. my I'm the first generation born here, my parents didn't go to school, they don't have a network of people here, so I don't have a network of people here, so it's like, we're all building for the first time, yeah. so, I don't know, for me, I feel like it's, like, the experience of not having that um, abundance, mm-hmm. that when you do get that given to you like whoa what do i what do with this, this? <laughs> yeah totally. what do i do with this how do yeah. i get it back that's actually a really good point because if you're used to getting 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 all the time all you're gonna do is take 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 that's so true right it's yeah. just like inherent you feel entitled to it uh yeah we know folks like that <laughs> uh, no comment <laughs> um i kind of want to get into what current mood is about which is mm-hmm. about self-care and mental health mm-hmm. in a inaccessible oprah way yes um this notion of hustling yeah this like 
Instagram generation and as you call it, I think hustle porn. So bad. Just, just this idea of like never not working. And I've talked about this before a little bit with um, my friend Anthony Demby, who was actually the first guest in Current Mood. Mm-hmm. I listened to that episode. Shout out to Anthony. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's the best. The, he, he was the one who was about the what you know, what you don't know, and what you don't know, you don't know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe Bobby kind of like resonated or like echoed some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that definitely resonates with him. But um, yeah, the never not working, the like, I pull I an all nighter. I sleep when I die. <laughs> yeah, I sleep when I die. die. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is your like? What is your um, kind of like take on that? Yeah. I always see you doing a lot of shit, so I'm like, sh- sh- this bitch is hustling. <laughs> Come on, that's just the sizzle reel. <laughs> I mean, the sizzle reel is popping. But um, like, does that affect you? Do you think about that? Like, what yeah. what's your take? What, oh my gosh! Tell me. My take is that hustle porn is just terrible. <laughs> We need to stop promoting that shit. Can you ASAP. define hustle porn? What is your definition of hustle porn? It's this idea of like your worth and your value comes from this like nonstop unhealthy mm. um, conditioning of hustling. Like mm. the whole I can sleep when I die, <laughs> never not working. Like I don't need to take care of myself. I'll just work myself to the ground because I'm such a hustler. Like no, that's not okay. That's not healthy. It's not cool. And you know what though? That used to be all me. Like me in my fucking early mid twenties was all about the hustle porn. And like yeah. I, I used to say that. I used to say, I'll sleep when I die, never not working. Like I condemn it now, but I'm I'll admit that used to be me. I didn't know any better, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and I really f- got a sense of validation when people were like, you're such a hustler. I'm like, yes, yes. Yes, they see me. They see me. Like, <laughs> they see me working. Like, I felt validated. And I think for me, like, honestly, a lot of it, a lot of that desire felt for validation was because I am a woman, right? Mm. And I always wanted people to recognize me and respect me for my work. Sure. Right? Sure. Like, so you got to do like five times as much work. Exactly, because you know this. I, I don't get hung up about this anymore. But when yeah. I was younger, I used to get hung up on this fear of like people discrediting me to be like, she's got that because she's cute, right? Ugh. Or like she's just cute. Of course, it's easy. You know, I fucking Guys, hate that. She's actually really cute. <laughs> <laughs> she's this adorable. Is what I'm about. She's adorable. That's what I'm talking about. And it's like, listen, it, it, it's fine for people to acknowledge that, but don't, don't. Don't define me by that, you right, know, because right. I didn't actually earn a work for that. You know, I'm like, thanks, mom and dad for the jeans. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I don't want people like that was always like this hang up of mine yeah. in my. Did that happen to you? Did, did, did that did that actually happen to you where people were like, where you like felt like that? It wasn't. I don't I can't remember um, like any hard examples right yeah, now, but yeah. it was, it's always been an insecurity of mine. Sure. And I mean, a, a lot of women. I mean, yes, all, all the time people yeah. are like accused of climbing the ranks because of their looks or right. because of who they're associated with or right. who somebody thought that they slept with or right. shit like that. No, actually, right. they're really good at their job yes. and, and they and, work their way up. And those stories are real, but at yeah, the same time, there is this messaging out there yeah. that's like, hey, women, use your sex appeal, use your right. looks, because right. that, that performance is actually also rewarded in the society. Re- quote, unquote, rewarded right. in quotes to an extent, you know, like you get the validation, you get the followers, you get the free gear, free shit mm. for using that sex appeal. So it's right. like this weird thing of like... Like the influencer kind of stuff? Um, Depending on what kind of influence yeah. you are, but yeah. like that behavior of using your sex to quote, unquote, elevate or get far in life sure. is rewarded in the society to an sure. extent yep. Yep. um yeah and like i grew up you know in the age of like 
I mean, I grew up in the world of like community organizing, social justice, where it was all about the mind. You know, it's mm-hmm. all about mm-hmm. critical consciousness. It was all about critical thinking. So I just like was so hyper focused on having people see me for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, back to hustle porn. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely guilty of that from my mid to early to maybe even late twenties. Mm-hmm. And then I, now, I love sleep. I sleep like at least eight hours a night. Now that you're seventy two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know, right? It's that Asian, Asian skin. <laughs> I know, dude. You'd be like 84. I'd be like, yeah, she looks great. Um, I'm all about health now. And my mom, too, she is such a big advocate for, like, health, you know? And mm. she always tells me, like, you need to work out more. You need to, you know, take care of your health. She's like, you don't have nothing without your health, you know? She's like... That's a fact. You can have all the money in the world, and you can't even do shit if you don't have your health, you know? Mm. So she's always, like, every time we talk, she's always like, how's your health? Are you working out? I'm not really. Mom, but she reminds me, and so now I'm all about you know um, hustling healthy, hustling healthy, healthy hustle. That's what's yeah. up? Mm-hmm. So what self is care? Self care? Yes. What, what does the healthy hustle look like for you? Like, wh- what do you do when you're like overwhelmed and you're hustling and you're like, oh, I got to do all this shit, but then like you're also your body's like, nope. Yeah. I mean, I gotta admit, I don't have all the tools yet, and I'm not like where I want to be in my self-care practice okay but i am working on it so for example that's a very honest thing to say thanks for yeah sharing. <laughs> um i i started really committing to my morning routines um and and i've been committed for like a few months now so i'm proud of that progress like my morning routine is now like i wake up i do a cold shower every morning i start and cold it really kind of helps me engage my deep breathing it helps me get mentally strong and mentally prepared it pushes me out of my comfort zone cold shower is like like really cold or like just not, not lukewarm not, not hot <laughs> no no <laughs> like it's, actually cold it's cold and oh, honestly, that sounds terrible. The hot no, shower is like the best thing. <laughs> so you know what's funny? Now that I've done the cold showers, when I get a hot shower, I'm like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. Interesting. I, I feel like I can't try that. Yeah, I'm such my one of my friends put me onto it. Um, shout out to Avi. Like, I'm such a huge advocate for cold showers now because I've experienced so many benefits from it. Wow. I feel calmer. It's really helped with my stress. Um, and it helps me get mentally prepared. For the day, because you are making a commitment first thing in the morning to step out of your comfort zone mm. and to endure something that is seemingly difficult for the benefits. Because you know that it's not harmful, right? right? Unless it's like unless you go out into like five degree weather <laughs> yeah. or you turn your AC off before you do that. Right. Um, but you know you're committing to endure something that seems difficult for the benefits. And while I'm doing it, I do my deep breathing practices and I also do my meditation and I recite my mantras, right? Mm. So like self, you know, I I recite affirmations and mantras to really mm-hmm. ground myself. And so that's been great. I do that and then I go into my stretches for the morning, which is good for my body. And then while I'm doing my stretches, I also kind of like recite my mantras and affirmations. And then I make my cup of coffee and then I get to my desk. Wow. Yeah. That's a pretty dedicated morning. So how long does that routine take? 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is great because I used to just like literally roll out of bed and no. go to my desk, which no. is so bad. It's the worst. Yeah. That's like actually not productive. 
It's not. You're right. <laughs> you feel like you're because I used to do that too. I used to like wake up in the middle of the night with one eye and just like it's look, so bad. Look at my email, like mm-hmm. oh who's who's emailing me right now? It's so bad. Yeah. So I've also started practicing, you know, um, restraint for my phone. Like yeah, at a certain time, like stop checking your email. Like mm-hmm. you know, you're not gonna write back right now. Yep. And if you check it, you're just gonna feel anxious about what you need to do the next morning. So it's like really being um, disciplined mm-hmm. about um, not checking my phone at certain yeah. hours of the day or night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually started doing that with Instagram. Mm. Instagram's a tough one for me because I have like a love-hate relationship with mm. it. I love Instagram so much. Yeah. It's so fun. I've met so <laughs> many people. I've been able to like build somewhat of like a really cool network there. Um, but after a certain time, like I, you physically could feel ill after like scrolling, mm. you know? So like, yeah, I've been this past weekend, I actually like didn't look at social media for like three or four days Mm -hmm. and i was just i felt so much better it was crazy and it sounds like so minuscule but it's huge it for for someone who's like always on always on Mm -hmm. it's really important i'm gonna do it all i think i'm gonna do it like every weekend i mean even like the (laughs) physical impacts of yeah like this like the head till The thumbs, the wrists. Mm-hmm. Um, also, do you ever think about like when we're scrolling fast, how that affects our eyes? Yeah. Because it's like, are my eyes registering? No, your eyes don't actually do that. Right? So, <laughs> so now I try not to scroll. I try to like swipe one and swipe two. So Is I that going to help really? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying not to stress my eyes out. I like it. I like it. And there's like, all these things where it's just like, it's because it's so new to our generation. Yeah. We don't even know what the impacts are yet. Like no. the, the longitudinal study is like happening right now. Right. And then when we're 80, we're like, be like oh, that's what's happening that's to what's us. That's what's killing me. Oh, that's why my <laughs> eyes are degenerating. <laughs> yeah. I can't see anything. Yeah. I need to create some um, boundaries with Instagram too. I know. It's, it's, it's pretty addicting. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And so you asked me earlier about like, okay, what do I do during the day? So I've really been trying to commit to like taking more breaks from my computer mm-hmm. um, for my brain, but also for my wrists. Like I do not <laughs> want to deal with carpal tunnel. Um, so I wrist. just like, yeah. you know, it's, I try to take a break like every 30 minutes, like even if it's for like for 60 seconds. Yeah. Just walking away has yeah. really helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you... Um... Do you have any like tricks or like really extra weird things you do to create like more distance between yourself and your work? Mm. Mm. I know it's a weird question. No, it's a great <laughs> question. Because um, we all have our weird quirky shit, right? Do you have an example? Because I'm I'm kind of it's not really clear. Um, me. in terms of creating distance between myself and my work. I, at one point, when I was, like, super, super connected, I would literally stash my laptop, like, um, in between, like, a pile of clothes in the back of my closet. So it was, like, really hard for me to get it. Wow. Yeah. That's so intense. I know. Yeah. I mean, I can, like, say no, but if it's, like, out of sight, out of mind, mm. it's kind of, like, where it has and to be. And then how long do you kind of put it in the little timeout? I mean, that was just, as, like, that was, like, on a weekend. That was, like, okay. me on a weekend trying not to work, you know? Mm. Like, on a Sunday, I'm like, get out of here, bro. Mm. Go, you go in the corner. You're in the corner. Timeout corner. <laughs> yeah, timeout. Um, but, like, nature is, like, pretty important mm. for me. Nature vibes. Yeah, that's as far as I go. I mean, I like smoking weed. Mm. <laughs> Good one. I it helps me distance myself from yeah. my work, and then I'll sometimes it just brings me back to my work because then I start thinking about stuff. And I'm like, oh wait, like that's actually a fun <laughs> idea. 
I'll like come back to it later. That's a healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just like a kind of creative thing. Mm, Um, I really enjoy a good cocktail. Yeah. I enjoy a good drink. Um, I enjoy a good meal. Let yourself live a little. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and at this point, like, I don't like, again, like moving into like hustling healthy. Like I don't feel guilty when I take time out. I've gotten really good with being like, I'm so overwhelmed right now. You know what? I deserve a break. Did you used to feel guilty? Yeah, really? all the time. Like, I would feel so guilty if I wasn't doing so. I mean, honestly, I still feel guilty. It still creeps up. But I also now have moments where I'm like, you know what? I'm good for today. Like, I've done my work for today, and I will allow myself a break. Like, I can do that. Um, yeah, so I think just, like, I like to carve time out to enjoy a good drink and a good meal, whether that's at home or mm. outside. Nice. hmm Nice. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to? In the world? In your life. In my life. Yeah. Hmm. In my life. Such a big question. I know. <laughs> what am I looking forward to? You know, I'm really looking forward to this next stage of New York Coffee Supply, mm-hmm. uh, where I'm looking to scale. You know, I'm looking to grow my product line i'm looking to grow my team i'm looking mm-hmm. to grow my distribution i'm looking to grow um the narrative um that's that's something i'm really looking forward to um i'm looking forward to spending more time with my family yeah i don't really know how like i mean we have a trip planned for san francisco end of the month which i'm excited about nice. um but you know um I don't see them as much as I'd like to. My parents live in Boston. I live in New York. And then mm-hmm. my sister lives in SF. And then another one lives in Rhode Island. Um, and um, hmm. I'm just looking forward to like all the new challenges and experiences that mm-hmm. I know are right in front of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think building a business, like you said earlier, where the the path is so unknown. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that shit. You know, mm-hmm. like, I I hate predictability and I also hate limitations. Um, of <laughs> nice. Like, whether it's like the limitation on your, your check for the week, you know, I hate caps, right? I don't like that feel. I don't like anyone trying to set a cap on me or my Ooh, potential. okay. Yeah, a lot of that comes from me trying to break out of the whole mi- model minority myth. I hear you. Yeah, so I just love exploring, like, that unknown territory. And so I think there's a lot of that with new coffee supply and yeah. the, um, um, coming up. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Just like new experiences and new challenges and also new lessons. Amazing. <laughs> thank you so much for coming to current mood. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having yeah. me. <laughs> that was so much fun. We're done. I know we're done. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Hi, J real. Shout out to G real. Number one editor. I love you. <laughs> Hey, don't forget to subscribe to Current Mood on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Anchor and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Also, join us on Instagram for some super cool visuals at currentmood.io. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And if you really feel like reaching out, send a message. Tell us what you are feeling, please. Thanks so much.